Hello, this is The Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Thank you, thank you. Sit down, please. God bless you. It's good to be at the tribe. It's good to be home. Uh, Freddie, I'm coming for you. Yeah, I'm coming for you. Uh, um, no, I don't actually, I think I don't need a chair. Actually, I just need to move this one back so that it serves as my, you know, pulpit of some sort. So good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to be home. I haven't been here, um, I think, since 2019. Yeah, since 2019. And the reason why I haven't been here will form... Um, the framework of my message this morning. You know, before I go into the message, I want to um, I want to read that scripture in Hebrews 11 because we're still on the journey of faith, right? So Hebrews 11, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for an assurance about what we do not see. Hmm. Okay, this is what the ancients were commended for. So they were commended for hoping for something that, you know, is not obvious and for receiving what is not tangible. So they were commended for that. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed. Okay. I'm just wondering if I want it in front of me because I want to be able to engage. Yeah. So maybe somewhere here, just somewhere I can lean it on. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So I can pose. Yeah. (laughs) So by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what what was visible. Was, was not made out of what was visible. Exactly, I knew I was saying something wrong. So that what you see was not made out of what was visible. So that means God created the visible from the invincible. So that means God himself had to have faith to create the world because the foundation of faith or the principle that backs up faith is that you need to believe in something unseen. Um, so God created the visible by something unseen, that means God moved in faith. So faith, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering. Anyway, when you look at these first two verses, it just makes you feel like there is another realm within which um, faith operates. The realm of the invincible, the realm of the intangible. And so that means that faith is not just a thing you say. It's not just a thing you profess, you confess. But it's a posture you take. It's a realm from which you operate, a realm from which you dwell, a realm from which you paint pictures, a realm from which your imagination is formed and your imagination is crafted. It's a realm um, that surpasses this realm because within this realm, the things that are seen are made manifest within the spectrum of light, the light that the eye can see. But there is another realm and there is another light that makes Um, it's possible for your spirit and your mind to be convinced of things that are not visible within the light of the 
you know that the human eye can see from so that means faith operates from a different realm from a different realm it says by faith abel brought god a better offering than cain did i know that they've postulated over the years the difference between abel's sacrifice and cain's sacrifice some people say abel's sacrifice you know was animal it had blood and you know like god is a vampire i crave blood you know so i don't know they said you know the other one's own was you know but the Bible doesn't say that was the reason. It stated that there are professions, but doesn't say this is the reason why this one's own was accepted and this one's own was not accepted. You know, but what the Bible does say was that the differentiating factor between both sacrifices was faith. One of them had faith. So that means maybe Cain depended more on what was visible. Cain depended more on what he brought the amount of, you know, yams and, you know, plantain and fruits that he gathered and brought to the altar. But maybe Abel did not depend on what was visible. Maybe when Abel brought his sacrifice, he said to himself, you know, this may be all that I have, but I know God that you are one that receives from the heart, not from the hands. Maybe Abel knew that the worship of God was beyond what was presented in the physical, but what was presented more in the realm of the spirit. Faith. He says it was by faith that Abel brought a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous. So that means even the posture of righteousness and the position of righteousness is attained by faith. So it is when you are able to come into that realm that you are able to attain righteousness. That's why one of the first things that we come into when we become believers is faith. And that's why that is also the gateway of coming into this life in Christ. Faith. And when I talk about realm and place and position, as we go on, you would understand what I'm saying. It says, when God spoke well of his offerings, they said, and by faith, Abel speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. By faith. He did not experience death. That means he did not make the normal transition that humanity makes. When you get to a point that maybe your body is so weak or something terrible happens to you and then your life is lost suddenly, that never happened to Enoch. Enoch had a relationship with the invincible God. He so believed in the tangibility of the intangible that his tangible body dissipated into the intangible realm. His physical body was so consumed by the reality of that which is not physical that the physical had to bow to the invincible. He was taken away because he was overwhelmed and consumed by that which he believed in. He says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to walk with God. Without faith, it is impossible to engage with God within the space from which he operates as God. Without faith, it is impossible to experience him, to experience his life, to experience his heart, to experience his strength, to experience his power, because everything that he is proceeds from the realm where faith dwells. Your ability to believe that there is more than your eyes can see, 
There is more than your hands can touch. There is more than your ears can hear. There is the presence of one who is real and great and strong beyond your human physical strength. Faith. He says, without it, it's impossible. It's not like God is looking at you and saying, you don't have faith, so I'm not pleased with you. No. It's, it's, a, it's a principle matter. So gravity is not fighting against you. Gravity is not your enemy. Gravity does not wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm just going to kill one or two people today. No. Gravity is gravity. You either agree with gravity or you die for not agreeing. So God is not waking up and saying, you know what, I'm just going to hate you because you don't please, you don't, you know, you don't have, you don't please me. No. You want to engage with God? Rise up in the faith realm. So he's God. This is where he is. He can't do anything for you except you come into that place. Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Faith comes. So it's a present continuous process of coming. So faith constantly is being built up in us until it is so built up in us to the point where like Enoch, we can be one with that which we believe. And so that's the point where you say, oh, you know, someone has transitioned into the other place. It's because of faith we believe in eternal life. Without faith, everything, our worship, our service to God, everything becomes useless without faith. So it is very critical, very critical. What do you believe in? I had a vision um, once, a dream in the dream. I and my team, we were trying to fight like there were, you know, hordes of demons around us and we're fighting, we're fighting. And, you know, at some point it was like they were pressing on us and it was obvious they were going to finish us off. And we're shouting, Jesus help. And I, and I said to them, I said, let's just hold our hands and be shouting, Jesus help us, Jesus help us. So we held our hands in the dream and we're shouting, Jesus help us, Jesus help us, Jesus help us. And while we're shouting it, the next thing, I opened my eyes and there was this mirror in front of me in the room while we're shouting and they were coming and demons were coming. And next thing in the mirror, it was like I saw a light coming from a distance and I was looking, I was like, what's that? And it came closer and closer and closer and as it came closer, it formed the image of a man. And as it came closer, it, I was like, I know that man. You know, I made like I just knew it was Jesus, and I was like, "Oh, Jesus is coming! Jesus is coming to help us!" And the image came closer, and but when it came out of the mirror and came out on the other side, it was me. It looked, it was me, but it looks like you know a fresher version of me that I've been living in John for like ten years. Very cute version, like it had gone to the gym. That's why I know that in the glory realm, hallelujah. Oh, it might not yet appear what I shall be, but when you see me on that great day. All right, let me stay together. Yeah. So, <laughs> and when he came out on the other side, it was me. And I was like, when he was in the mirror, I thought it was Jesus. But when he came out on the other side of the mirror, it was me. And I looked and I was trying to understand what's going on here. And I opened my mouth, that I opened my mouth, and it was, my voice was like thunder. And he, and he said, Christ in you, your hope of glory. And immediately I understood what Jesus was saying to me. I knew he was saying, you are here telling your team, let's hold hands. Jesus, come and help us. Jesus, come and help us. But I am you, you are me. Stop trying to wait for me in the mirror. On the other side of the Bible, the manifestation of me in this realm is you. 
I am in you. You behold in a glass me in scriptures, but on the other side of the glass, the manifestation of Christ is you. And immediately I got the message. I was like, ah! And I started saying to them, Christ is in us. Christ is in us. He's already here. He's in you. He's in us. Come on! And cut my hair. We scattered the demon that day. We tore their singlet and left them naked. We dealt with them. Hallelujah. Just that revelation of he's in me. Every day I take in the word. Every day I receive the words. Every day I embrace it and I, you know, I massage it into my spirit. I pray the word of God. I meditate on it. I worship with the word, in the word. Something happens to me and it is transformation into the stature of Christ. I realize that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And it is this realization that enables us to do great things. He says, time will fail me to talk about these men who by faith, they conquered kingdoms. They took nations. They held territories because they believed something. The words are not just ancient writings. They are life. And every time it infuses in you and fuses with your spirit, you become supernatural and able to do the things that are unattainable in the natural realm. Christ in me. This is the hope that I have that I will live a glorious life. So I haven't been here since 2019 because I remember 2018, we were here, August 2018. And while we are on the floor, I was on the floor praying and, you know, the minister was going around. The Lord said to me, the Lord said to me, you're going to get pregnant in 2019. And in 2020, you're going to have a baby. And the Lord made a couple of promises to me about 2020. And I was like, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, you know, I'm ready. And... Why it was so striking was because I had been waiting for 10 years to have to conceive that child. And you know, just talking about faith is so funny because for 10 years, I would do baby dedications, naming ceremonies, conduct weddings for people. And then nine months later, I went to bless their babies. I would prophesy over people. Because I could see that the hand of the Lord was upon their womb and we we're going to have children and it will happen. But I was not manifesting the strength of the, of the words that I was speaking. So it was almost as though physician healed thyself. How can you have the strength to prophesy life while you are seemingly dying? Can you give what you do not have? So it becomes the question. How can a poor man bless someone and make the person rich? How can an unhealthy man pray for someone and make the person well? Where is the God of your faith by which you do the miraculous? So for 10 years, I had to answer these questions in my mind. I had to ponder and wonder. And there were days when I thought to myself, maybe it's not real. Maybe, maybe the things, the seemingly powerful things I do are by chance. Maybe it's just chance. Maybe it's luck. Maybe I'm not really that 
powerful. Maybe I'm not even really anything. I couldn't understand month after month, month after month, month after month. I couldn't understand it, you know, until I got to a point where I, I, I remember having this conversation with God and I said, God, what am I longing for a child for, really? I said, there's a huge part of me that wants a child, a biological child, because I have many children, not biological, that wants a biological child because there's a sense in which it will prove to people that I'm normal. There's a sense in which it will validate my office. It will just also make me feel, you know, like a mom. You know, I want all of that feeling. And also there's a sense in which, you know, the continuation of your lineage. And I want to know that, you know, all this beauty that I possess. You understand? I'm just trying to be humble here, you know. Yeah. You know, all this beauty will be transferred. I mean, the world will be a loss if there's no continuation of my genes on the earth. Don't you think so? Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't, 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 don't feel bad or small or anything. I get that all the time. People tend to feel intimidated by me, but it's okay. Lord, have mercy on me, please. Have mercy. I want to make heaven I bear. So, you know, there was, there was all of those things. And I said to God, I said, within the perspective of eternity, these things don't really matter. Except the reason can have an eternal connection. Except there is a place in which God is saying, you know, the child you will have, there is a generational transfer of covenant as it pertains to the destiny of the earth. I say, God, that's what I want to fight for. I don't want to fight for those other things. If you can show me how this child, you know, is connected to the next phase of life for the kingdom, for a generation and a season, I say, God, that's what I'm looking for. But I don't just want bumpy girl, just bumpy girl, just join all that children, they wear pants, they run for a road. No purpose, no destiny. I said, it's okay, it's okay, you can keep it. You know, because I'm not going to spend my nights crying for that. Do you understand? But I want to spend my nights praying because I see how the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that is now in my care and custody can be transferred to another generation. You know, and the moment I made that prayer, I got up on my knees and there was a sense of peace. Not the peace of Jonah, where the storm, and you know your boat is about to capsize, but you're just for me, oh no, I have peace, it is well. It's not really well, brother. It's not that kind of peace. But a peace that is a confident assurance that my mind had locked into something in the mind of God. So I knew that when the time came, manifestation would be easy. It began with my mind. I needed to enter the realm of God's thinking so that it could free me from the weight of unnecessary expectations of men so that I could channel all my energy to the time of manifestation so that when it came, I could birth because my energy was dissipating in unrealistic human carnal expectations. Dissipation of my energy. 
So the moment I locked in that place, I found peace. Because you see, peace is not breeze. Peace is not wind. Peace is not calmness. When the storm was raging, God sent peace. You don't send calmness to fight violence. You send a much stronger violent army to curb a violence in the land. So peace in itself is a weapon of war. So when I say I entered into peace, I entered into the posture of a warrior. So that I could then know how to position the affairs of my life so that I can arrive at the will of God. There's a certain configuration of the affairs of life that produces the will of the Father. But it takes peace to be able to discern it. So why people were worried for me? Hey, this we call, ah, this your matter. How we go do am now? Hey, you just sit down there. You did fine, you did chop, you did travel. You don't go sit down me, you think what you go do? I say, who is the giver of life? Who is the maker of man? Who is it that breathes soul into the body? Is it not God? It's not by power. It's not by might. But it's by the spirit. So when the time came and God gave me that word that day, I knew that 2019 was the year for movement. So when 2019 came, January, I took a, I think it was 20 or 30 day fast. And you know how sometimes as a pastor, the Lord will give you a word and you have to fast. But for the need for strength, you will command everybody else to fast. <laughs> so you see that January, everybody fasted. I said, church, we have come into a season of warfare. <laughs> so as the people of influence, the month of January, we are fasting. Shake up, everybody fast. They're not saying, I'm lying, I mean one fast. But I just need strength. Understand? So that, that, that January 2019 was, was fasting and praying. And then by February, I said, okay, Lord, momentum is here. What do I do? He said, okay, call this person, call this person. Ask this one which clinic you should use. Ask this one. You know, he directed me and he told me categorically. He said, you see, you will not have a child through normal way. He said, this baby is not going to come by sexual exercise. So don't go and kill yourself, dear. Think it pass if I put the leg like this. He said, no need to commit uh, suicide in such a manner. Just, just be taking it easy over there. Okay? Becoming yourself. <laughs> Enjoy your life. It's not bone. <laughs> the solution is going to come in another way. Please, this church is PG words, please. <laughs> That's fantastic. He said, it's not going to happen. He said, because there's a lot of warfare behind it. And there were many things that I knew that the Lord could, <laughs> the Lord could not explain to me. You see all these people, you have to give your life to Christ. <laughs> when I was reading Hebrews, you were not laughing like this. <laughs> I'll be born again. So I knew there were many things that the Lord could not explain to me in terms of the inner workings of why I was, you know, why the situation was like that. But he just said to me, he said, like, this, it will not work. I need you to go somewhere where they take the procedure away from what the enemy has mastered. Because mind you also, 
There was a lot of spiritual interference involved. I used to see it at night. Some nights I will wake up and say, God, what is this? You don't sleep before when they say, you go see, say, three women go enter your room with mattress. They go put that for grand. They go say, sleep with your husband, they look you. No more would they look at you go take a belly. Will they look? And in the dream, I will say, Mareka Bashaka, he tell God, what kind of I will wake up, I will say, God, waiting be this. Like real life attacks. And it was constantly concentrated around me getting pregnant. Meanwhile, this is me. When I start to pray today, it'll be like machine gun. The power and the presence of God will fill the room. Do you know what it does to you, to your mind? When in one place you can tell that the Lord is with you, you can feel his power, you can feel his strength. In the execution of the work of the kingdom, you see God at work with you. But then when you go into another place, it feels like you are intimidated and oppressed by Satan and you are powerless to do anything about it. Do you know what it does to your mind? So I begin to understand the wrestles of Paul. Where he says, you know, I'm this powerful guy, but there is this thorn in my flesh. It constantly reminds me that I'm human. It constantly reminds me that I'm not the all-powerful Paul. It constantly reminds me that I need God. And so this is how I get grace. My grace, I don't get it in the multitude of my speaking and my powerful prayer and the works of miracles. That's not how I'm the man of grace that you see. I'm the man of grace because I see that I have weaknesses and struggles. And so I need his grace to enable me to rise up beyond my brokenness to bring healing to a generation. The pain, the brokenness qualifies you. It doesn't negate your calling. So every day I wake up and I'll say, God, what is this? I'll pray and pray and pray. So by the time he said, take you to a clinic, he showed me the clinic, powerful woman, born again. You know, she, if you enter the clinic, there are scriptures everywhere. She prays through the process. She'll ask God, what method should we use? Long and short, it was a journey. Typically, by like a month and two months, you should have been able to, you know, go through the process, take your injections, get the egg, you know, and all of that. Mine took six months. Because for some strange reason, I just was not fertilizing. So every time they would check, is one thing that has gone wrong. Something they didn't see before, they will see the next one. Something, the woman was like, I don't understand. Do you know what it means to be taking injections on your thigh and on your tummy constantly by yourself for six months straight? So you sit down there, you press it. Every time I will cry. But after I'll cry, I'll clean my eyes. I'll come to the tribe. Good morning, guys. Hey, who's ready for Jesus this morning? Sometimes in my car is where I have to take it because it's regulated. And I will say to myself, God, other people will do this one month. Why is my own not working? So at some point, they had to increase the dosage because my body just wasn't responding. I remember these are hormonal shots. So I remember one day my whole body was just shaking like this uncontrollably because I was pumped with hormones but of course at the same time somebody will send you a message P, I've been calling you I'm not responding I just want you to know that you know I just feel like I expect more from you as a pastor <laughs> so, 
to God be your glory. <laughs> But you know, I used to tell myself in those days, I said, Moses needed a rod to part the Red Sea. Elisha used the mantle to part the Jordan. Joshua, the priest, they used the ark to part the Jordan. Sometimes there is a physical medium by which God transfers the supernatural to the natural. I will not complain about these injections because this is my mantle. This is my rod. This is that which the Lord will use to open the way. I cannot insult the rod and think it will part the Red Sea. Do you understand? I cannot curse the mantle and think it will open the Jordan. So the medical intervention was my act of faith. Moses was standing in front of that sea. God, help us, help us. God said, Moses, shut up. Go forward. The rod in your hand, use it. The injections were the rod in my hand. I needed it. So every time I was in pain, I was crying. But I tried not to complain. I did it with joy. By reason of mine, Ajabota body. You can't find my veins. Genesis are like to get one vein. They will call head nurse, head doctor, call everybody. They will check, they will slap my hand. Twa, twa, say Jesus. Slap me before one vein will emerge. That's to tell you that I was not made for sickness. You understand? <laughs> When God came, he did not, he said this one, mm, she will not be sick, she will not go to the hospital. But think about it. I had to take. During that period, I think I took at least 13, 30 drips because it was not normal IVF I did. So, and you, I'll go, I'll sit down. Every week, I think I was taking drips like twice. It was a certain kind of drug. There were some drips I took that one is 650,000. So financially, it was going. Why am I telling you all these things? Because I would say to myself, Meanwhile, in the midst of this, oh, I was now meeting young, young girls that would come here. I don't know what to do. I just got pregnant suddenly. I don't know what to do. <laughs> just, <laughs> just make a verse. I don't feel verse. Me, they find picking. So I can't call it bad. But at the same time, my righteous mind knows that you shouldn't do this. This is sin. It's, okay, it's You know, so I felt like sometimes I felt like saying, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I'm so, you can't believe it. Hey, I felt like I'm so happy. But at the same time, it's wrong. You never marry. Why are you going to sleep with a man? But okay, man, happy for you. Not can't believe So it was talking at my righteousness. Trying to redefine the standard of God in my heart. Through pain, Satan was trying to invert the standards of holiness. So that in pain, I could no longer call righteous, righteous. As long as he solved the human problem, it is right. Is that not what the devil does? So that as long as he takes care of the flesh, it's okay before God. Longer short of the story. Which is a very long story. I finally get pregnant. Of which the ninth 
before I found out I was pregnant, I had a dream. Where them? You know them? <laughs> when, you, when you wake up and say, ah, they don't come again. Hey, them. He said to me, we hear you are pregnant. And I said, who told you I'm pregnant? He said, we know you're pregnant. And they started laughing. They say, you're not going to stay. You're not going to stay. As far as nobody spend when we lock for inside this bottle, now your husband take give you belly, you no go ever feel carry belly. In the dream, I was crying and I was saying, in the name of Jesus, I am pregnant. It will go nowhere. I woke up crying. As I woke up, I sat on my bed. I was crying. I said, God, what is this? After six months of they poke you, they do this, they do that. I, so you mean I'm actually pregnant? And I was crying. And God said to me, shh, wipe your tears. Go to war. So I quickly cleaned my eyes. I reverse the words of Satan. I reverse the words of hell. I superimpose the word of God. I am pregnant and it will stay. I am pregnant and it will stay. I started praying. Because within that time frame of having that dream, I understood that some spiritual things had, were going on in the atmosphere. I had to quickly clean my eyes so I could deal with the matter. The reason why many of us don't see the evidence of our faith is because we miss the timings for warfare. Do you understand? So I had faith, yes, that I was going to get pregnant. Now I was pregnant and I was about to lose or forget that by which I arrived at that point. What helped me arrive at the point of pregnancy was faith. What will help me keep it till the child is born is faith. So I was about crying. And you see the problem with emotionality is because your emotions make you feel justified. Because you are feeling it in your body. You know if you pinch press, you say, may you not cry. You feel justified crying. But you see, the justification of your pain is not necessarily the right position to take. So you get what I'm saying? So you feel cry, but make your eye clear. So I may be crying. What kind of thing is this? But my God, I know you are real. So it was almost as though torn between two things. Grieved on one side that I could be attacked. But at the same time, I needed to rise up to know that the attacks of hell does not invalidate the presence of God. So it was my responsibility to stand and superimpose over the situation the knowledge of God. So I started to pray. Went to the hospital that day. They confirmed it. Pastor, you are pregnant. The doctor was happy, shouting. I was calm. I said, I'm like all oh, those boys that have been toasting gear for one year. Then finally the girl tells you, okay, I'm going to date you. like, oh, really? Okay, so how are we going to do this? I said, Uncle, you have been toasting me since be happy. Show some joy and laughter. But the boy is calm. So that it's not gonna be that. It's in the midst of the laughing, the girl now notices he is titty somehow. I changed my mind. So he's just gonna keep it calm. So that nothing can rattle this new position he has arrived at. That was how I was that day. I showed you, I just I was like, praise God, praise God. Because in my heart, I'm like. We need to keep our eyes open. Because now, I'm sure the enemy is upping their game. You understand? Longer short of the story. It was war trials. I was constantly being admitted in the hospital. Constantly. 
today is bleeding. Tomorrow they'll be looking for heartbeat for one hour. Next tomorrow the baby is not moving. All kinds of things. And then finally at 23 weeks, I go to the hospital and I'm like, um, you know, I wanted to get my documents to travel the next week. And doctor was like, well, see that you are here, let's just do a scan, you know. I was like, no, I'm not due for a scan until next week before I travel. He was like, oh no, you're just here, let's just do a scan. And he goes in to do a scan. And while he's scanning, he's like, uh, Pastor, mm, have you broken your water? I'm like, uh, what are they hiding? <laughs> if I break it, I'm going to know. You know? So I was like, I don't know what you're saying. He said, you don't have amniotic fluid left. So if you understand what amniotic fluid is, that's what the baby uses to grow to survive. He needs to be immersed in the amniotic fluid constantly. And he said, you've lost 90% of your amniotic fluid. This baby is going to die. I said, okay. You know, so I went into his office. He said, what happened? I said, I don't, I don't know. I would know if I have lost my fluid, but I don't know. He said, well, um, so what's going to happen is that we have to take the baby out. If not, he would die in your womb. And that would cause an infection that would, you know, be danger dangerous to your life. So I was like, okay, no problem. If you take him out, that means you put him in an incubator. Even though that was hard for me, you know, I would have really wanted to give it to, you know, a whole child and all, but, you know, they say he has to, no problem. And he was like, oh, sorry, in Nigeria, we can't put a 23-week-old baby in an incubator. The max, the, the minimum is 28 weeks. So, right, I said, so, um, so what you are saying, actually, <laughs> is that you have to bring him out to die. You know, he said, well, that's the only way we can save your life. Do you know my whole body, Lily, was shaking? Like, inside me. I, I don't know if you know, you know those sickness that you're telling people, oh my, no well. They'll say, hey, ah, but you know they say they're sick. You don't say that. But inside you, you are shaking. You, have, you know you're having fever. That's how I was doing me. Outwardly, I still look. But inside, everything inside me was shaking. I was like, oh. and in one second, I saw it all. I was like, I see it. If this baby dies, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to leave ministry. My marriage is going to end. My friends are going to hate me because I won't pick their call for one year. I'm just going to go down a hole. I saw it. It was like, boom. It just flashed in front of my face in like five seconds. You know. And the next thing I heard the Lord say, do not let his words be the last words in this room. You know, Pastor Fede was saying something. He said, the mouth. He said, food is for mastication. When you take in, it's to masticate. But what you bring out is declaration. He said, the mouth is not for eating. That's not really what it's for. That's a lower function. The higher function is for creation. So God said to me, do not let his words, because what was happening was that an atmosphere was being created around the destiny of that child. And God said, shift it back immediately. So I looked at the doctor. I said, doctor, thank you so much. I didn't say, doctor, thank you so much. You know, I just want you to know that this child is not going to die. He said, Lyle, I didn't have that strength. It was, it was still in that shaking. So let me tell you, sometimes faith is not necessarily the outward appearance of courage and boldness. But it's just that you did something, like the lepers. The lepers said to themselves, sit we here and die. Maybe if we go to the enemy's camp, we'll find deliverance. So with their leprosy leg and hand, they just shuffle like this. Shuffle. This was how they went. So if you looked at them, you would not call them men of faith. They were just shuffling, dragging one leprosy hand and leg. But sometimes that's all you need to arrive at victory. 
The Bible says in that their movement, the army had a host coming. So what on earth looked like weak, feeble men dragging themselves? In the heaven was the sound of a marching army. Because all that God needs for you sometimes is just to agree that his position is the right position. That's all he needs. So he said, don't let the words be the last words. So I looked at the doctor. I said, doctor, thank you so much for everything you've done for me. I really appreciate it. I said, but this child is not going to die. He said, pastor, I respect you. <laughs> he said, but if you don't take this thing out, you are going to die. I said, no. I said, let me tell you something God told me. God told me that my womb is not a graveyard. Things don't come to die inside me. I said, so he will leave. I said, doctor, I'm a life-giving spirit. As I was saying it, I was shaking. He said, madam, you don't understand. I said, doctor, tell me what can be done. And I need you to learn something from that. Because the Bible says, after you have done all to stand, stand. At that point, I felt like I had done everything to arrive at being pregnant. So the question was, how can I stay pregnant? Do you get what I'm saying? And I said, doctor, what can be done? Sometimes ask the questions that seem like it is the last strand of hope. Take it. Our pride is what makes us give us or give up on the process of faith, on the journey of faith. Sometimes we feel like, you know what, I beg I'm tired. No, I am not tired. Until I arrive at the word of the Lord, I am not stopping. And I said, what can be done? He said, ah, there's nothing that can be done. I said, okay, where can they put a baby of 23 weeks inside an incubator? He said, well, the only place is abroad. I know that. The UK, they have um, I, you know, some countries, some Schengen countries have the US. I said, okay, all right. Okay, no problem. I'm going now. He said, you're going now how? I said, I'm, I'm leaving now. I said, uh, he said, but I'm telling you, you don't have more than maybe 10, 12, maximum 15 hours. I said, doctor, yes, exactly. That's why I'm, I have to go now. The time I was talking to this doctor was 4.35 p.m. As I stepped out of his office, I picked up my phone. I started calling. I called my friend in Switzerland. I said, hey, please call her your auntie that works in the UN. Tell her to call their doctor. I said, they just told me my baby is going to die. But actually, baby is not supposed to die. I said, so let them find out for me if I can bring the child, incubator, everything. They called me back. They said, ah, that the doctor said, if it's based on this report and this situation, that why am I trying, why am I bothering to come? That is either the baby is going to die on the flight or die in Switzerland. That's so there was no need coming. I should just stay in Nigeria and take it out. I said, okay. I proceeded to the UK. I said, yeah, let's make calls, UK. As I'm talking to you, at that time, I didn't have UK visa. But in my head, whether by teleporting or by diplomatic immunity, if the UK was the place that we arrived there, no, you don't understand. I wasn't being foolish. I was holding on to something. God told me, 2020, you will have a baby. He didn't tell me you will have a dead child. So somehow, if it means the world was going to bend its rules to accommodate the promise of God, then so be it. You know, so I called the doctor in the UK said I shouldn't bother coming either. That's based on these results. 
that that child is going to die within a couple of hours. I'm just going to waste my money and my time. So I told myself, I said, the problem now is the call. So I'm not going to call again. You understand? I'm not going to call again. I said, now I remove without phone call. So my IVF doctor, I called her. I said, Sissy, what's happening? I said, America is the next one. She said, yes, you have to go to America now. She said, do you have anybody going with you? I said, no. She said, I'm following you. So my IVF doctor left her clinic, packed her bags, began to head to the airport. While me, where I was, I said, America, yeah. I called. I did not go. It was like rapture the end time. The Bible says, let he that is in the mountain remain in the mountain. Don't come down. Let he. I did not go back home to go and pack bag. Who care? What will be the use of cloth if it's when I go for and not arrive at it? Jonathan. So sometimes you need to allow your faith stay you to the point where you make some very strong decisions that may not favor your flesh, but you keep your eye on the goal. Because that's the journey of faith. Because I believed that Christ was manifested in me. And I believed that the word of the Lord was true. So anything I needed to do, I will do. Look at David. David was running from cave to cave, begging people for money, for food, as though he was not the anointed one of Israel. But David understood that the reason why he was not going to subject his life to Saul was because he knew that the hope of Israel had been poured on his head. So it was his responsibility to preserve himself for the purpose of, the, of Israel, for the purpose of God's nation. So he endured the things he endured, knowing fully well that the word of the Lord was going to come to pass. So it was his responsibility to keep his life. Whatever he took. He could have said, but if I'm really anointed king, why am I being, why are they insulting me? Why are they, no, that's besides the point. The point is the God who anointed you king is also the God who set the circumstances in place. So you have to trust him. Do not only trust the word of promise over your life. Trust the circumstances that will bet the promise. So it looks crazy. But in my heart, I also said, the Alpha and the Omega saw that this point was going to come. That means in his heart, he trusted that I would be able to make the right decision that would enable me to arrive at his will. So I told, I said, America, here I come. Called my husband. He started coming. Fortunately for me, he had just changed some dollars that day. He said, oh yeah, take. That's why you have to marry a man who has dollars on the go. Say amen. amen. Praise Jesus. Amen. amen. <laughs> see, see, see all them girls. Right, I put your finger down. <laughs> when I married him, he didn't have dollars. Please leave the matter. Fred, you remember that one? Uh, that's, that's not what you call house. That place we used to live. Uh -huh, our former abode. <laughs> in, uh, in, uh, somewhere inside, inside Surulere. That time when you even take a keke or motorcycle to the junction, the bike man go look. I don't know if you go past this place, you'll come down. Just that because there's some kind of road in which we're by. If bike climb it, it can somersault. So it's like they used to use to pass it. And it's flat slippers you can use to pass it. So thank you so much. That's where we started from. But that's another story of faith. 
So he said to me, he said, you know, I just turned, hold this one. I said, fantastic. Called my niece. Oh, yeah. Babe, if you see the, the thing they brought for me, the, the, the niece I sent to bring the load. Now she confused past me. Because she'll pack one leg or shoe, he go leave the other leg or shoe. He go, I said, what, what, what manner of packing is this? But just brought it inside nylon bag. Pierre, take your passport. Take your this. Do you know, on the move like that, oh. Everything where we forgot, somebody will take bike and meet me on the way. Somebody will take bike and meet me on the way. The way my husband drove to the airport that day, I told myself, is the picking not come down for this belay today? <laughs> is this child is not coming down anytime? <laughs> he was rushing to catch Delta flight. We got the last two tickets on Delta. That's how we arrived. As soon as I arrived at the airport, my doctor had me shouting at the airport, you people cannot close this counter. You can't, do you know who is coming? Madam, who is coming? <laughs> He said, the owner of Delta Airways. <laughs> Shall be shouting. No, look, whatever you, whatever, whatever happens, you're going to bear it. I told you. <laughs> Who is coming? <laughs> so as I just arrived, she just ran to the door with wheelchair. She said, just sit down. Do I see if you have I looked at her. I said, Dr. B, I can't start. She said, sit down. Do I see if you <laughs> because we're not going to check us in I was late Delta Airways would usually leave at 9.30 and that day I got to the airport at 9pm and you know checking is one hour before but that was the day they moved Delta flights to 10.30 so fortunately for me I had a little time but they were supposed to have closed the counter so she said, so in my heart, I said, ah. So people will pass and see me on wheelchair, Pastor E.C. That's the time that people had embraced the name P.I. of the Most High. <laughs> so me and my Most Highness <laughs> sit down on top of wheelchair like this. But I remember David. At one point, he was running. He had to pretend to be a madman. We spit drooling down his face. David. I. Now wake up nine that they take good morning. So may you wake up first. Every other thing after that you deal with it. Understand? Now who born that they take congratulations. So let me arrive at the child first. Don't worry, I will explain later to you people why I behave as if I know where. <laughs> so that's how I sat on the wheelchair. I just did like... <laughs> so they drove me there. They said, ah, my wife will tell us I don't know where now. Oh, where's the passport? Please bring it quickly. This woman looks like she's about to lose her life. That's how they do. Cha, 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 madam. Do, do. I said, no problem. The doctor said, I don't, don't move. Just stay like that. So she was just pushing me in the airport with sober. If there was soundtrack, it would have been, ah, just, just, <laughs> <laughs> Please, what's the time? Before I, I will just forget myself. <laughs> so, that's how they were pushing me on this wheelchair like this. Shame. Shame. I, I did shame. I had preached messages about, messages about strength. Power, the glory of God. 
Unfortunately for me, that's when T.Y. went to release our ministration together. In the video, I was talking about the God of the heavens and the earth. You will see me power the shake from the view. Then you will not see that same person at the airport. Hi, I said, God. Well. That's what we see him. I can't explain God. It's not my responsibility to be his brand manager. Who is it that can brand God? Who is it that can help him manage his image? If he allows it to be so, it's because it's part of his great plan for glory. So that's how we entered the plane. On the plane, I started having contractions. So I thought I'd go on the baby mid-air. So when they say, what citizen? It's Atlantic citizen. Because he was born over the Atlantic uh, Ocean. So I was panicking because, hey, here's a child that in Nigeria, you know, they say you can't be in the incubator. If you're not born for air, that means he's going to die in your arms on the plane. So I was just like, Lord Jesus. So I was praying throughout. But guess what? There's this song by Chris Delvan that I was listening to before the IVF. And I listened to it throughout. And the song started playing again and again in my heart. And I was singing it again. And every time I sang it, I was crying. And in the song, because the one would say, because um, I called upon his name, long, long before my troubles came, I shall be afraid. The Lord is my light and the light of my life. I shall not be afraid. Do you know, and I was singing it, and I will, tears were streaming down my eyes, and I said, God, because I called upon your name long, long before this trouble came, I shall not be afraid. Because not be today I start to serve God now. Not be today I start to pray about this matter. So my confidence was now in my former sacrifices. My former offerings of faith. I said it will speak for me. Because right now I don't have faith. I was crying in the plane. Like a child. The air hostesses came. Mom, what can we do? How can we help? What should we do? They brought towels. They brought everything. They had arranged that place where they put drinks in the plane. They had arranged it for me to have a baby there. I stayed on that plane. I was praying and crying and crying and crying. I could not even really pray. Let me be honest with you. So I wasn't doing It's a lie. I was crying. I was crying. The Lord is my light. So finally they said, should we stop at JFK? I said, no. It's Atlanta we are going to. We will get there. Ask me who I know for Atlanta. Nobody. What hospital did I know I was going to? Nowhere. It was on the plane we were googling high-risk pregnancy hospitals in Atlanta. We had no, we had no idea where we were going to. This was an Abrahamic journey. Move to America, to a land which you do not know. I knew nobody in Atlanta. But the reason why I took Atlanta was because it was the only direct flight from Nigeria to America. So we're googling on the plane. So sometimes God will call you to have acts of faith. That it is while you are on the journey, he begins to give you direction. The reason why many of us don't do great things is because we are waiting for God to conclude before we move. But the motion is what releases the vision. Do you get what I'm saying? It is in the midst of the motion you get little pieces of the blueprints and the pattern. So when people will tell you, it's like now sometimes I will say, God said we should do so, so, so. People ask me, so Pierre, um, what exactly is the vision? I don't know. 
So Pierre, how is he going to work? Honestly, I don't know. That's why I'm not the kind of leader that many people can follow. Because the truth is, I'm not afraid to say, I really don't know what we're doing. All I know is that the Lord said we should do this. So I will start. But in the midst of it, God will speak. So it was there we were Googling. And by the time we arrived there, the pilots had called paramedics, called everybody. So by the time we landed, paramedics were waiting at the door. We that were saying, because that's the period they were driving pregnant women back from America. So I was even afraid. I said, God, when I get there, will they not drive me back? But they had already called paramedics, called immigration. Told them that somebody is coming. Clear the way for her. So by the time I arrived, immigration was waiting at the door. Ma'am, where's your passport? Where's your doctor's passport? Bam, bam. Paramedics, boom. They flung me on top of the thing, strapped me. I said, Nabele, I cannot be crazy. I get crazy. Strap me to the thing. Oh, yeah, move, 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 move. My sister-in-law, the moment she heard her had boarded a flight in Nigeria, she left Vancouver, Canada, flew to Atlanta. She was waiting at the door. So but it was as if for something that the devil thought he took me by surprise. God had already positioned people around the world and placed a readiness in their hearts to respond to my need. So when you think that Satan is taking you by surprise and you want to give up, know that the Lord, remember my story, the Lord has already positioned people across the world with a burden for you. All they need to respond is to hear that you are in need and they will move. I couldn't have known that. But I had to move to see the full of the resources that Zion had prepared for me. So by the time they did it, got before in like, 20 minutes of entering America, I was already in the hospital. And for those of you who travel, you know normally, before you do long immigration queue, go and find your box, go and find your... Di so I was disoriented. I wasn't sure where am I. Am I in Nigeria? Am I in America? I wasn't sure. Because everything happened like this. You know, and the next thing, they were checking for hours. Baby had beat. They don't see for how we were checking. They check it. They All the while they were checking, what was I doing? Crying. <laughs> I was crying. I was crying. Long and short, they found the heartbeat. They checked the amniotic fluid. They found out I was really, really on a very low. So the measurement is between 8 to 26. That's the range for amniotic fluid. I don't know the, measure, the units they use, but it's between 8 to 26. Mine was on 11. So I was really, really low, you know. So they said, you know, watch it for one week. Let's see. And I said, doctor, but this, this small one, so will it be enough for the child to grow? Remember, it's 40 weeks we are going through, this 23 weeks. She said, well, technically, this amount is not, but she said, I said, but can amniotic fluid build back up? He said, oh, that's very rare. It's like a 0.000 point something percent i say you see that point that's my own that point there point as far as there's a point something that point is my own i say it's gonna build back up do you know this baby stayed 36 weeks in my womb of which the god told me after one week when they said okay you can be on your own god said go to canada when I told you 10 years ago about this child, I told you the child will be born in Canada, not America. Because I told you that in the year you give birth to this child, America will no, no longer be the nation it used to be. Go to Canada. So that's how 
Shabi, you say I'm mad. Somebody, you managed to make it into America. Instead of you to just stay there. Do you understand? According to Tunubu, when they said Togate Massacre, and he said, who was there? Why were they there? And what is the character of they that were there? So you would have said, Auntie, stay there. But the Lord said, so we entered flight again to Canada. And that was where the Lord preserved the child. There is always a location for the manifestation of faith. Everybody, Japa, find your next level. What if your preservation is in Nigeria? What if your manifestation of the word of God over your life is in this nation? Would you be like Esau? Who discerned his next move based on his fleshly needs? The Bible called him an evil man because he did not have the ability to evaluate from the perspective of the spirit. So it was natural to stay back in America. After all, even the American passport is more powerful than Canadian But said, so we moved. And that was where we stayed. Even though at 31 weeks, he stopped growing. They checked and checked and checked. They did not know why the child was not growing. They're like, ma'am, we can't explain it. Amniotic fluid had become normal. God was normal. This was normal. That was normal. Picking no green grow. So at 36 weeks, they had to bring him out. Well, they were about to bring out my child. The anesthesiologist, Lily, poked me like 10 times. They could not find my C, something C, this one, something, something, that they poke to give you anesthesia. <laughs> By the fifth time, they said, ma'am, would you, would you rather do this another day? Because we don't know. I said, another day. Satan has known that this child, I want to bring him out. I should wait another day. I said, uncle, the Lord will be with your hand. You will find that, that cord, I'll be that pine you are looking for, you will find it. Today, this child will come out. Because there are some decisions you don't wait another day to make. And so, by the time he put his left hand on my, he put it on my shoulder so that he could use the other hand, the hand on my shoulder was doing like this. I said, God. See the hand of the person when they press my spine. <laughs> I said, God. So, Chinese guy, as his hand was, I just, I put my hand on his, on his hand like this. And I just started, Marakiza Dalaba, Shemberekete. You see, sometimes, eh, some of you, you are too conscious of the people around you. That's why you don't work in the culture of it, because there's a culture of our kingdom. Part of the culture of our kingdom is speaking in tongues, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So some of you are too conscious of the culture of the world. I could have looked around me and said, I see all these Oimbo Oimbo people. Who cares about, oh, they, they'll be wondering how this African coming to pray. I don't care. It's my life and destiny we are talking about. Ask me if you ask, what are you doing? I'm exhorting my ancestors. <laughs> you understand? And because those are the kind of things they like to hear. Oh, you can start with the spirits. But if you say, oh, I'm praying to Jesus, you'll be like, eh, yes, I'm calling his name. My ancestor name is Elohim. So, finally, they punched the thing, laid me down, brought out the child. They brought him out. Strong baby. My child, when they brought him, I was small like this microphone. It wasn't taller than this. Small, not fatter than my palm. 
tiny because he was not growing. Do you understand? So when they brought him out, they were like, oh my God, he's so tiny. They were he's so tiny, he's so tiny. They pressed his chest, check his ear, check his eye. They said something must be wrong with him. Check everything. They were like, but the child is okay. You know, every, all his systems were functioning perfectly. I told them, I said, look at you. We have played the trick on you guys. It's the way in Nigeria, when you look at a Greek chicken, you look at native chicken. You would think a Greek chicken goes sweet past native chicken. But native chicken is small, it's strong, it's tiny, but nice sweet pass. My child came out looking like native chicken. Tiny but strong. Very healthy. He eyed a shine. Ready for the world. That's a child of warfare. Do you understand? For the baby, it's a case of I don't call. Where did they? Who said I go die for Belen? You understand? Where then they? Who then be? That was how I nursed that baby gently. It was syringe I was using to feed him. He couldn't suck with nipple. He couldn't hold bottle. His mouth was too small, so he'd be pressing the syringe. Two ml, five ml. The day he took ten ml. I was like, my baby drank ten, ten, ten. When I'm feeding him at night, sometimes I will sleep off. When I wake up, Jesus, Jesus, I go to find baby. I'll raise duvet. That's why it is small. I'm not finding somewhere under my house. Oh God. God, I better not let me keep this picking. Are you like see? After I bought after you know there are certain children you have, they'll say, Oh, you, I gave birth to a child. This one I born the picking. I born her. After I born the child. When people will call me PIP of the most high. In my head, it's like a distant memory. I'm like, who is P.I.? Who is Most High? Who? I couldn't, I'm not kidding you. My mind could not comprehend that office because the depth of vulnerability and weakness had been pulled out of me. If I thought I was strong, I found out I was weak. I found out that every strength I had ever displayed in my life was the strength of God. I found out that if it's left to my humanity, oh, I am such a weak person. Such an unable human being. So feeble. I don't want to have so much strength. Crying. Anyhow. Ah. So when people say P.I., in my mind I'm like, you don't understand. P.I. is, she went with the war. She went with the war. The only person that is here now is Isi. I'm telling you. So every day I used to beg God, I'll say, God, please don't let this be the end of me. So even though I received the promise, I was not the same man. I couldn't look at the promise like a reward. I couldn't look at the promise and be proud. Hey, myself, I don't born. Because the promise brought out everything weak inside me. So I looked at the promise and I was humbled. I looked at the promise and there was a contradiction in me. Did I have to give up my anointing and my office to bet this child? So is this child worth the pain and the brokenness? But I always looked at the child and I said to myself, tomorrow is always greater than today. This boy is going to encounter days that my eyes will never see. 
so he's greater than me. No matter what I feel like I have lost to birth him, he's a much greater reward. Not because he's a child that I birth, but because he's a manifestation of the promise of God. So I understood that what I had just gone through was a spiritual journey. As even though I birthed a child, I was also reborn. And so the days where I was arrogant towards the weaknesses of people, those days had to go because I understood it. I could see how men could fall. In all of this, I failed God several times. In all of this, there were days I spoke words that I'm even ashamed to say here. I said those things to God. But he was still merciful towards me. He still kept me. He restored me. He restructured me. He reconfigured me. There was a time where I could not string a complete sentence together. And I thought, will I ever be again? Here I am today. So when people say to me, P.I., uh-uh, you get baby, you they go just, you are going here, you are still doing this. I said to someone, I said, the thing I birth in the spirit, how can I keep it in the flesh? I say, if you knew, knew the details of what it took for that child to come out and be alive, you would know that it is not by my strength it will be preserved. I said, so I'm not going to be all those mothers that is like helicopter mother. He, he, he fell. Oh, why will he fall? Uh, you fall, you go stand up. You stand up. You go stand up. Because you know how many times you fall for belly? You stand. You go stand. One time, someone, like two months ago, he was sick. The doctor in the hospital, I said, ah, what's going on? He said, madam, the way he's presenting himself. The manner in which his leukocytes and nephrocytes and cellocytes is looking. He's presenting himself like COVID in adults. So, you know, meanwhile, the boy was boiling. I just told the doctor, thank you so much. I can't my picking go out. Throughout the night, I put him on my stomach. I said to him, Judah, you are born, you were born by the word. I said, so you will be preserved by the word. Hear the word of the Lord. You cannot be sick. I said, you are a warrior. I said, all of them, they are looking at you as if you are a child, but you and I know you are a living soul. I said, so get up and fight. You cannot be sick. Throughout the night, I was talking to the baby because that was how I spoke to him in the womb. There were things when I was weak and I would tell him, listen, I have done the one I can do. I said, but I know you are a living spirit, so you fight. You fight. Go to war. Ask the Lord to arm you in the spirit. Contend for your life. I am but your mother, but you need to, we need to do it together. So I spoke to him. By the next morning, he was strong. I said, very good. This is how I would tell him as he's growing up. This is how you will survive. You are not like every other child. You are not like every other child. The path upon which you entered into this world was crafted by the word of the Lord. So everything you will arrive at in this world will be by the word. He's a child of faith. Born by faith. Even his name Judah was given to me in vision. So I didn't call him praise because I don't want praise thy Lord. No. The Lord said to me, this one will lead my people to dance to me. So I know there's an anointing upon his life to create the melody of the spirit. I remember the first time Theophilus Sunday saw him said, Mama, 
This boy carries something that I carry. We were cut from the same part of the tree of God. I say, I know. God showed me. That's why his name is Judah. What is your journey of faith? What have you pushed to birth? This thing I'm telling you, hear me. I don't even care what your life is like. I don't care if you slept with a woman before this service. That's not the point right now. This is the point of the making of destiny. This is the point when lives are turned. This is the point like when God will come and anoint Jehu and anoint Samson and anoint them and they will go from being one man into becoming another man. This is the point of ordination where you can hear these words and it's like the oil of God being poured upon your life and you are like my God, my God, my God anoint me oh God with the oil oh God of your will cause me to be able to see from the realm where you dwell cause me to be able to walk from your position oh God cause me to be able to journey in faith enable me to birth the things that you want to birth into this world Perhaps you have cut short your spiritual journey because you began to journey in the flesh. You began to journey by things that are seen, things that are failed. Today, by reason of the power of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Lord, of the Lord upon the heart of a man, begin to reverse and go back to the place where the Lord last spoke to you. Go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. Reconfigure your journey in God. Reconfigure your work with the Lord. Can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on the Tribe Lagos. God bless. <laughs>